It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in third and final hour here on Friday morning. And that means it is time to be joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her today is Ward 1 Councillor Brad Markey. Good morning, Councillors. How are you? Good morning. How are you today, Good morning. Tim? Good. Doing, doing pretty great, well. Thanks. The, the calm... Sorry. Sorry. Sorry we're late joining you. <laughs> oh, no problem at all. No problem at all. It's the calm before the storm, as they say. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Although it's not yeah, going to be I, too bad. Well, you never know. I mean, you know how it is. You're bringing on new debt, but you're retiring old debt. So you're trying to keep it in this level that it doesn't really have a, a, a big impact. So that's what they attempt to do, and I think they've done a good job doing it. So that's why I like to see this. I'm happy it's going to be moving forward. And The only other issue last night, Tim, um, there was a request before us to put a uh, community to put a preservation um, uh, lien, if you will, on the property that you and I and your listeners know as the Women's Center on County Street, which is currently under, up for sale. And over the course of the past many years, uh, the C uh, Community uh, Preservation Act money uh, to the tune of almost 500000 has been placed for exterior upgrades on that property. And so we're being asked to put a... Uh, a preservation uh, act on the uh, on the building that does not allow them to alter the exterior uh, from a preservation perspective, and um, most of my colleagues concurred with that. I concur with it as well. I took exception though to it being uh, sent to us last minute and getting calls from representatives of the administration, Council Mackey. I don't know if you got one asking me to hurry up and move it forward, which you know was critical because you're sending me a veto um, telling me that you know, we changed the language of combining two departments, the clerk of committees and the city council office, and we fixed the language in the charter to reflect what we're doing. You're yelling and uh, you're vetoing my, my ordinance change telling me that I didn't have a public process, but you're, you're asking me to do this without it having a public process. So the hypocrisy of that uh, made me uh, choose to vote no on that, even though I agree with with putting the preservation um, lien on the property. Uh, just just a bit of a devil's advocate on that. Is it possible that the rush was because there might be somebody that is interested in, in purchasing it? Well, that could be, but I mean, the bottom line is that you're asking me to do it without sending it to committee to have any discussion. Yet, you know, you're pretty well aware of what we did in combining two departments, saving the city almost fifty thousand dollars a year going forward. And you're sending me a veto telling me I didn't publicly discuss it. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, I guess. But <laughs> just me, I guess, Tim. I've always been that way. Well, certainly, yeah. And, and I agree with you. We want to have that building remain as beautiful as it is, especially considering all that money that went into to restoring it, making it look the way that it does. Yep. So, and um, I, I believe that it's being actively marketed. 
So I'm sure that, you know, someone will pick that building up. It's gorgeous. Uh, I know the neighbors are concerned about what the um, ultimate use of that property might be uh, because, as you know, there's uh, issues as parking in that general area. And that building doesn't have a lot of parking. So we'll see. We'll see what happens once the property transfers. So one thing that I know has been a topic of a lot of discussion here on the airwaves has been the departure of the police officers from the New Bedford, New Bedford Police Department, not only in recent weeks, uh, but also just over the course of, of, of quite a while. And it, I was um, taking a look at some of your notes, Council President Moore, and it looks like the council is, is ready to try to step in here and, and try and at least get to the bottom of what's going on with, this, uh, with this, these departures. Yeah, um, I know we do exit interviews. Uh, Council Maki, you spoke on this last night as well. I know we do exit interviews uh, as any employee leaves, but I think the thrust of the motion by those whose name was on it was to reach out to those who have left uh, several years now to see you know, where they are now um, and you know, what the difference is in the department that they currently are working with, if they are still working in law enforcement and the city and what recommendations they might have. At least that's what I think my colleagues are trying to do, Councilor. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's exactly it. I think it's a good idea um, just to find out why, what's happening, why why it's so difficult, although I realize it's a, a national trend for law enforcement to get folks in, but I think it would be good to see why is it happening here in New Bedford, and is there a reason or something we can do to you know, I'll always slow it down. I do know, uh, you know, some some have gone on because area towns, actually, they offer more money. But I also then heard from actually somebody considering leaving uh, that, um, you know, with the new contract, everything's now kind of falling in line. So um, I think it's a great idea to go ahead and see what it is. And if there's something we can do, great. I hope we can. But if not, at least we have an idea of why. And, and not to put, you know, words into the, into the counselor's mouths that have proposed this, but it's also possible that looking back at the past five years, there might have been some folks who did leave the department. And now you're at, you know, when you do the exit interview, they've got their reasons right then and there for why they're leaving. But maybe a year or two later, they think to themselves, I probably should have stayed. So maybe, you know, it, it might come down to finding out some of the some of the the grass isn't always necessarily greener type situation that might help with. Uh, convincing current officers not to leave. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. In addition, you know, when you're walking out the door of any organization, you're certainly not trying to burn your bridges while you walk out the door uh, because there's a possibility that somewhere down the road you may want to come back. But um, you, know, you may get a more honest answer from someone regarding their specific situation after a couple of years have passed and they're comfortably somewhere else. I mean, and, and just as a as a comparison, I got a press release earlier this week from the Swansea Police Department now hiring academy trained officers. Their starting salary for that job is seventy five thousand dollars a year. So you're seeing here, you know, they're already offering uh, a, a larger base pay than the city does for people that are just coming out of the academy. Yep, and you know, I'm I'm pretty sure my facts are right, but I believe that we lost a couple of people to surrounding towns who had recently uh, left the academy. I know they're being paid more in the surrounding towns, but if I'm correct, um, the surrounding town actually reimbursed the city for the training uh, cost of the academy. So they're, they're looking for people, and 
They know that New Bedford police officers, men and women, are well-trained. They have experience in a municipality like New Bedford, and they're an asset to a smaller surrounding town police department. And, and Councillor Markey, in, in your ward, you have, you know, there's been a lot of uh, consolidation, uh, a lot of, you, you know, kind of people concerned about whether or not they're getting less response times. What are you hearing from the citizens up there about this, the departure of these officers? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a concern, uh, mostly here in, from a citywide, but even up here, um, I mean, any emergencies, they're taken care of, but to get sometimes it is, you're right, difficult if there's some something minor, say like a traffic issue or something like that, to, to get somebody up this way. They will come, but sometimes it takes a little longer. So, yes, I mean, there is a concern, and, and that's part of the problem, I think, is they just don't have enough staff, and a lot of the officers, say, from up here, get pulled down into other areas of the city when there is a situation. So Yeah, it, yeah we were with a commanding officer yesterday um, at, at a community meeting, and he said the same thing, that they will come. But at this point, they have to prioritize, you know, what calls they're going to go to. Yeah. And, and I think, too, that for, you know, the everyday citizens might not always understand the logistics of policing, but they just know they see these posts that are put up by the police union on Facebook. And they just know that no matter what it might be that they don't understand, less less people is less people, less bodies, uh, less less people out on the street is less people out on the street or less people that can respond when there is an issue. So I think that there needs to be some things done to kind of, you know, I don't want to say calm their fears, but at least kind of explain to them the way that the department is making up for some of these losses. Yeah, well, I guess, but it's very difficult at this point. You know, I'm hoping we don't get to a situation, and I don't, I don't, uh, you know, Council Gomes is the expert in this stuff. Hope we don't get to a situation where we're, you know, in requiring forced overtime to cover shifts. I mean, uh, we are hiring as much as we can from other surrounding towns and we're putting cadets in the uh, training academy but the problem with cadets in the training academy is when they come out they don't have the street experience and we don't have the manpower to to provide that for them so mm. it's, it's it's really a difficult situation all around and i know too last week was the the um the housing meeting the housing forum discussion uh, how did that play out, and did you get representatives from, from all sides coming together as part of that discussion? Okay, oh, Sure. Yeah, actually, that was on, I think it was, what, Tuesday. And um, hold on one second. And um, so what, what we did was we mostly had people there that were um, from the community that had concerns about it, and then uh, and they gave and spoke about it. Um, and now what we're going to do is we, 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 uh, move forward so we'll have another meeting and then bring in people, you know, folks from um, from the real estate part of it. And somebody suggested even bankers. And so those people who have, you know, outside influence on that as well. So that this is still uh, in motion, as, as they say. So we are going to have another one and, and continue these until we get all the parties to the table and then really try to come up with a, a comprehensive plan. Yeah, some of the some of the comments. I mean, it was just people were speaking passionately. There was maybe forty people in the chamber. Not all forty of them spoke, but the people that spoke were, you know, very impassioned for their comments. I was uh, very impressed by Don Blake Souza, who was um, a principal in the New Bedford school system when I was first elected, and has since retired. And her comments about, 
you know, homelessness or, you know, having to move apartments and the effects on children as well. And, you know, those are all things that you don't really think about. Uh, you think about homelessness, but you don't think about the details as to how it affects the family structure. Yeah, and, and that's what I've always found to be, you know, the part that, you know, the human side of it. it, it it's one thing when they're just numbers on a paper. And you're, but when, you know, I'm on a, in a Facebook group that talks about housing in the city and you see these stories every day of people who are struggling to either find a place to live or stay in the places that they live in. And it really does kind of hammer home a little bit that it's, while you might be okay and you might have no problem paying your rent or, or what have you, um, a lot of people are, don't have that luxury, don't have that comfort. Yeah. I mean, we had one woman testify in front of us, Council Markey, she, she told us this the day before Christmas the new landlord banged on the door and said, you know, next month your rent is going up, was it 400 or $600? And yeah. Uh, yeah, the day before Christmas. I mean, how heartless is that? And then two months later came back and said, by the way, we're increasing in another month. And they're doing this with giving you less than 30 day notice. I mean, that's some really, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm all for free economy. Uh, you know that that's my party. And, and I stand for that, but you, you have to balance this. You can't, and which is why I supported Council Burgos' request to have a discussion about rent stabilization in the city. And, and while we're talking about uh, properties, one thing that has really become a, a, a big topic of discussion are these potential uh, sober houses uh, that might be coming into the Ward 5 area to the West End. And I know that that's been something that is you know, causing a lot of uh, phone calls here on WBSM and a lot of discussion here on WBSM. And Council President Morad, you're actually going to be putting together a, a public hearing on this? Um, yes, it's in appointments and briefings next Tuesday night, I believe it is. And we've invited the uh, owners, the two new owners of those properties to join us. And we've invited the surrounding neighborhood to listen um, to see what, what it is their plans are for these properties. Um, you know, I expect there will be a large turnout of the neighborhood. I'm hoping that the two new property owners will join us as well. I know that Council Markey, although it's not his ward, um, kudos to him, has been at several of the meetings um, for this group of neighbors in the West End who are concerned about the Ash Street and the Hawthorne Street properties. And Council, you? Yeah, no, yeah, I did do that. And, and we do have a couple of those properties up this way. And while I, I think they're, they're, you know, an asset, there's something that we need, um, but there are always issues and that's what we want to address. And, and then you, you look and see, I mean, how, actually I think I did get a listing of how many of are in, are in our city. Um, Cause it is, it is, a, it's a business is what it is. I mean, they help people, but it also is a business. So what we got to do is, is, is see, you know, what's coming in, how it affects neighborhoods, um, so it, it is a concern to a lot of people. So that's why we're doing this, and hopefully we can find a, a way that, you know, we can all live together. And, you know, it's really it really comes, my questions to the property owners, if they do come, are going to surround how, how the management of these facilities is going, to be, is going to be undertaken, because that's really the issue. Um, you need to have control of the property at all times. You can't just rent the rooms out and, you know, let people do as they will, and that's what's caused the problems in the ones that we currently have. We saw, have some in the neighborhoods already in the city, as Council Markey said, that we have no issues with at all. You wouldn't even know they're there. Mm -hmm. But the ones that are problems are problems. And 
you have continual police response, you have continual disruption of the surrounding neighborhood. And I don't just mean the properties on either side. I mean, I live, what do you think, Council Maki, 500 feet from one? Uh, yes. More maybe, I don't know. And, you know, I, I see the effects of that in my neighborhood on, on a pretty regular basis. Right. So again, it's yeah. it's about the, the the management and about making sure that they're going to be responsible um, members of that neighborhood as part of it. Speaking of um, some of the neighborhood issues that are coming up, and 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 in Ward One, Councillor Markey, obviously parallel products has been a big di- topic of discussion, and now the state has extended the time frame for the decision regarding parallel products applications. So so what does this mean? Does this mean longer period of time here without any any answers in this? Yeah, I think what it, I think they extended it another thirty days um, because there was a, a period where a comment period where you, you wrote letters, you put it through, so they review all that, um, and so they've gone ahead on their own and, and then put it in for another additional thirty days. No, November first, I think, Councilmaki. Now, oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, all right, yeah, a little more yeah. than thirty days. Okay, yeah. time yeah. is not flying as fast. Okay, yeah. yes, exactly. And then, then from there, we'll hear one way or the other back from them whether, you know, how they're going to handle it going forward. Do you, you feel? Know, 200, sorry, go ahead. Two hundred and forty people submitted comment in the last comment period. Um, you know, I I think that's great. I want to you know thank Representative Schmidt and uh, Representative Markey and Senator Montigny. I know Council Markey and I both submitted uh, comments, um, but two you know two hundred and forty is great. I wish there was you know, 2,400 people that had written a, a letter because we, we really do want DEP and EPA, EPA to know the concerns people have and the fact that we don't want that facility here. And uh, do you feel that they're actually listening, that the DEP and, and, um, and, and the uh, EPA are listening to the citizens? It's hard to tell. I mean, these facilities are needed. Unfortunately, the landfills are filled. And, you know, most of them are closing. You need facilities like this. Um, I'm hoping they're hearing the, you know, collateral damage that will happen of placing something like this in a residential neighborhood. Uh, you know, place it somewhere that's not 100 feet from, you know, where people are living and kids are going to school and you have a beautiful business park. Uh, but we'll see. All right. Well, counselors, yeah, and you were, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say you hope because that's what they do this for the comment period that they take the the neighborhood's concerns and, and, and factor that into their decisions. So. Right. That they're not just, you know, they're not yeah. just, you know, fulfilling the requirements of having to have a comment period. Right. Um, right. But, Tim, you, you do know, though, that the final decision will be with the Board of Health mm-hmm. here in the city. So if EPA and DEP allow it to go forward, then Parallel Products or South Coast Renewables will have to uh, uh, petition the Board of Health for a public hearing. And as I, I said at a meeting that Comfort Markey and I were at, you know, I'm going to be calling our local school bus companies and asking them to pick up people from wherever and bring them to the hearing so that, you know, there's thousands of New Bedford residents in, in the hearing speaking against this project. Um, uh, that, that's the final decision maker, the Board of Health here in the city of New Bedford. We're going to have to have that in a big enough room, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it won't be in the council chamber. No, I'm going to have to get like the high school auditorium or something for that. Something like that, yeah. All right. Well, we're out of time, but I want to thank you both for joining us. Uh, Council President Mora, next week it'll be yourself and, and Councillor Carney? Yes, that's right. We'll be on, and we can fill you in on a couple of the committee meetings that we have coming up this week, and certainly we can give you an update regarding the neighborhood meeting, regarding the rooming houses 
slash Silver Hoses in Mortified. All right, sounds very good. Thank you both for joining us. I hope that uh, you have a good weekend and that you stay dry this weekend. Thank you, Tim. Hope all you as well. Take your precautions and be safe. Yeah. Thank you both. Uh, Take care. That. That is Council President Linda Morad and Ward 1 Councilor Brad Markey. And uh, I, I appreciate them coming on and, and sharing insight with us into all the council business of the week. I hope that you enjoy it as well. I apologize that we, we can't take any phone calls. I know a few people tried calling in, but it's hard to you know hear uh, on there. And they wouldn't really be able to hear what the caller was saying at all. And uh, so it kind of makes it difficult to be able to do that. But maybe we can get Council President Morad to come in one morning. Uh, coming up like she did back when I was on from 9 to to 12. It's a little bit easier to get folks to come in during that time than it is early in the morning, but maybe we can plan something uh, sometime soon, probably after the election, obviously, because, uh, you know, uh, with the election coming up, we're also going to have people coming on and being allowing them to campaign. So Chris and Marcus are going to be handling that on South Coast now in the coming weeks. You've already heard yesterday, uh, Zach Boyer, and so they're already starting that that process uh, but that'll be the place to tune into for all of that. And, of course, if you miss any of it happening live, we'll always have those available for you on podcast. But right now, it is time to go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. A federal inquiry is getting underway into the plane crash that killed the husband of Alaska Congresswoman Mary Paltola. The Anchorage Daily News reports a federal team of investigators is expected to arrive at the crash site on Friday. Authorities say Eugene Paltola Jr. was transporting a load of moose meat out of a remote hunting camp in a Piper PA-18150 Super Cub Tuesday night when he crashed in a remote area. The 57-year-old initially survived the crash and was getting medical care from a pair of hunters at the camp, but he later died from his injuries early Wednesday morning. Peltola Jr. was the only person on board of the plane when it crashed. Hunter Biden's attorney is speaking out against the decision to indict the president's son on gun charges. Brian Shook reports. Abe Lowell said prosecutors filed charges Thursday they deemed were not warranted just six weeks ago following a five-year investigation into the case. Lowell added the prosecutor leading the case bent to political pressure by Republicans. The attorney claimed the charges are barred by a previous agreement prosecutors made with Biden. A special counsel indicted President Biden's son in connection with a gun he purchased in 2018. I'm Brian Shook. The world needs to invest $2.7 trillion a year to achieve net zero emissions by 2050, according to a new report. Global Energy and Sustainables Consultancy Wood McKenzie's report released Thursday also said that the necessary investment to stop temperatures from rising above 1.5 degrees Celsius to avoid catastrophic events this century from climate change. However, the report says most countries aren't on track to meet emissions targets by 2030, let alone 2050. New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers is taking the first steps towards recovery after tearing his Achilles tendon. Mark Mayfield has the story. On Thursday, Rodgers announced he'd had a successful surgery and posted a photo of himself smiling from a hospital bed. He also thanked the medical team for taking care of him. Rodgers tore his Achilles in Monday's game against the Buffalo Bills. After the accident, he said he was completely heartbroken but has vowed to rise yet again. I'm Mark Mayfield. And Netflix is releasing the trailer for Wes Anderson's The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. The film is adapted from the short story by writer Raul Dahl. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Ben Kingsley, Ralph Fiennes, and Rupert Friend. 
The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar starts streaming on Netflix on September 27th. And in the wonderful world of sports, the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees faced off in a doubleheader last night. The Sox won Game 1 5-0 while the Yankees took Game 2 8-5. The Sox now head to Toronto to face off against the Blue Jays tonight at 7.07 p.m. And for you Patriots fans, they will face off against the Dolphins on Sunday. Kickoff is at 8.20. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. Friday will finish the week with increasing clouds. We'll be nice side too comfortable with a high near 70 for tonight mostly cloudy breezy with a low near 60 and for saturday mainly cloudy with a slight chance of showers highs will top out near 72 and will be windy with occasional wind gusts near 40 miles per hour be sure to watch abc6 for my full seven day forecast from the abc6 weather center i'm meteorologist kelly bates on new bedford's news talk station 1420 wbsm it's now 62 degrees in new bedford I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Welcome back in 508-996-0500. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hello. Hello. Uh, I, I was I was listening, but I didn't understand. I didn't catch the pop when they were talking about uh, buying a house on County Street. Uh, which one? The women's shelter house. Is that where's that? Is that the one that's that that pretty pink building? Yes. So that is actually up for sale. And uh, what they were, what they wanted to do was put a conservation restriction on it, so that when somebody does buy it, they can't change the exterior of it because there's been so much community preservation money that's gone into restoring that building over the years. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous house. Yeah, I wish I could buy it. <laughs> okay. Me too. I'd love to live in that house. Okay. Thank you. All right. You, you have a great day. You too. Thank you. And uh, yeah, that is um, that is a, a, a standout building. I mean, you can't. You can't not have your eyes drawn to that when you are going by it. So I I agree with the counselors. Like, I don't want to see that changed. I mean, I, I guess a color change would be something that somebody might want to do because not everybody likes a pink house, but you don't want to see any changes to the actual architecture of the exterior of that house. But I think most people that do buy a property like that have an understanding of its historical significance and buy it. They want to buy it for that very reason. They want to be good stewards of that location. But it doesn't hurt to put that restriction in there to make sure that 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 doesn't happen, especially because the person that buys it doesn't always ultimately be the person that ends up with it. You know, they might have it now and they might pass it on to a descendant or you know, lose it in a divorce or all kinds of different things that can happen that then puts it in the hands of somebody who might not have that same affinity for the historical value of it. I've seen too many times 
when historical buildings have been changed. In fact, I looked at buying a house years ago in Lakeville that was, you know, it wasn't historic. It was from the late 1800s. I think it was 1886 or 76 that the original part of the home was built. And we ended up not being able to get it. But the person who ended up buying it completely redid it and made it look super modern. And I get it. The house needed a lot of work, but just made it look like nothing like it originally did. And every time I drive by it, I'm like, what a, what a shame that this, the, all the character is gone from that home. But it was under no kind of, you know, restrictions. It wasn't under any national registry of historic places or anything like that. So certainly the people that bought it had every right to, to make it the home that they want to live in. But just in my eyes, it was a, it was a shame. Because it had such character. It was like an old farmhouse. And it was uh, a place. That, and I'm sure the inside of it has been changed as well. But it was so unique. And the way that it was built. It had, you know, two two or three bedrooms upstairs. I forget how many upstairs. And then you came down. There was like a big long living room. And a kitchen and a dining room. And then down in the basement. There was a basement area. But then there were also three different rooms down there including a huge room that could have been like a family room. And I was like, well, I'm going to put a studio in one of these rooms, a home studio in one of these rooms. And then I went out to the back and there was a shed. But then behind the shed was another outbuilding that was just like extra space. And I was like, well, this could be an in-law apartment. This could be a studio unto itself. Like I could I could put an office out here in a studio. Like so many possibilities. But um They've taken all of that and, and, and changed it all around. I think they actually got rid of one of those buildings out back. So it just makes you think to yourself, oh, man, all that character and charm, gone. And we don't want to see that happen with a building like the Women's Shelter. 508-996-0500. I've got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. All right. Welcome back in. It is time now to check in with Eric over at the butcher shop. And Eric, even though the storm isn't going to be nearly as bad, just in case the power goes out, shouldn't people come over and grab some great meats they could throw on the grill if they don't have any electricity in the kitchen? <laughs> sure, why not? They could set a fire in the living room. Why not? <laughs> no, no, they can go outside. It's not going to be that bad outside. But and the times is coming, buddy. Hurricane season. What yeah, are you going to do? Absolutely. So, what what do you got uh, over there this weekend that everybody can come on by and get? Well, dude, I got everything. You know what I got today? That's new. Something new. I got. I got nice veal tomahawks. Wow. Yeah, veal tomahawk. That's weird, right? That's different. They're nice. They're real nice too. They're big, good size ones. That's that's uh that's got to be a special cut of meat. I mean, veal is delicious as it is. How is it as a tomahawk? Uh, honestly, I haven't had it yet. I'm gonna try it out tonight. To be honest with you. Oh, there you go. What are, what are some of the other things you got going on over there this oh, weekend? I got nice tomahawks. I got ribeyes. You know the usual. I got nice sirloins. I got filet mignon. I got chicken wings, chicken, chicken leg quarters. I got nice stuff cooking. I got chickpea salad. I got nice salmon today. My dad just pulled it out of the oven. Real Ooh. nice stuff. Yeah. Stuff shrimp, rice pudding. Yeah, oh, no matter what, you, whatever you get, you got to get some of that rice pudding for dessert. Yeah, you like rice pudding? Oh, yeah, it's great stuff. <laughs> and, and, and your mom's rice pudding is some of the best I've ever had. Thanks, man. That's cool. So, uh, and again, you know, uh, everything that you might need, if you if you want to go out and stock up for the storm, don't worry about fighting in all those grocery store lines. Go on by the butcher shop. You guys have everything that people need. 
Yeah, a lot of people do that because they don't want, you know, it's a lot of walking in the supermarket. Here's everything that's compact, you know what I'm saying? And the most important thing that you have there to help people weather the storm is you've got that great beer and wine selection. <laughs> beer and wine, you got it, brother. <laughs> All right, so again, you're going to try some of that veal tomahawk, and people can go down there and get some of that themselves, and they can get all kinds of great things there. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll be able to weather the storm pretty well, too. Yeah, we'll be okay. All right. Well, good luck to everybody out there, man. Well, thank I don't you. Think for... it's going to be much. Nah, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I'm just trying to give people a nice excuse to go out and get themselves some great food and some great meat and throw it on the grill. That's a good idea. A lot of fish today, too. I got nice fried mackerels and stuff. All right, so everybody can head on by the Butcher Shop, 123 Dartmouth Street. Thanks, Eric, for joining us, and I uh, hope that, uh, again, you know, it's not going to be much, but stay safe out there. Thanks, Tim. I'll talk to you, bro. Take it easy. That is uh, Eric over at the Butcher Shop. Again, 123 Dartmouth Street. Stop on by for everything that you need, all your shopping, not just getting your meats from the butcher himself, but also everything that you may possibly need. Let's take a quick phone call here. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hi, Tim. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. Uh, I'm not far from the butcher shop. It's a very interesting place to go to. Um, uh, I wanted to say that I'm uh, very happy to know that you are okay after your ordeal. Uh, you know, the last week or the week before, was it? The, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad you're okay. Feeling good? Thank you. Yeah, I am. Uh, and today is kind of the last step in the process. So then after that, you know, I um, hope hope I have a clean bill of health, but they'll probably have me go in for x-rays and CAT scans, see if I have any more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard they're very painful. I'm glad you're okay. Um, uh, um, well, I should make an announcement about the... Um, we're having a meeting on Tuesday at the YWCA uh, on South 6th Street from uh, 6 to 7. It's an informational meeting for uh, people interested in learning more about, or learning at all for the first time about Fall River's uh, experience getting a charter review done and a new charter in, uh, new, um, charter in place. Um, the former city councilor who helped initiate the process is going to be speaking, and so uh, he'll tell us his experience, why uh, he put in that effort, uh, and what the outcome is, was. So, uh, there is no specific area for parking, but there's usually quite a bit of room around there. It's on the corner of school and, um, South 6th Street. It's number 28. All so, right. we'll see. And, and we'll see at the end. I'll probably hand out a sheet with a survey asking what would people would like to do, anything further. If so, what, you know, like that. All right. Well, I thank you very much for the information, and, and make sure you call back in next week and remind us, too. Okay, I will. Okay, right. take care, too. You as well. And if you want to call in, 508-996-0500, that is the number to reach us. Uh, again, too, uh, I'm going to be heading out this weekend to Terracon up in Marlboro with a lot of great horror stars. So if you want to come by... And you want to stop by my table. If you're up there, say hello. Tell me that you you listen to the show and that you listen to the station. It was actually nice. I went into the laundromat yesterday. And as I'm standing there folding my laundry, uh, a woman comes in to do her laundry. And she's got her phone playing the WBSM app. So I got to hear Barry while I was in the laundromat. Um, but I love it when people come up and talk to me about the station. So if you're going to be a Terracon, stop by my table. But you're probably more interested in seeing people like Robert England, who played Freddy Krueger. 
Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, stars of The Walking Dead, like Ross Marquardt and Seth Gilliam. And Twin Peaks stars, like Ray Wise and Sherilyn Fenn. And these are just some of the folks that will be there. Uh, the cast of Fright Night, the original Fright Night. Um, even more Walking Dead people and all kinds of great stars. Five Nights at Freddy's. So, not Freddy Krueger, but, you know, the based on the game. Uh, the actors from The Shining are going to be there. All kinds of horror folks. So, it's happening up in Marlboro uh, at the Royal Plaza Trade Center. And if you just go to theterracon.com, you can find out more about that. But I think it'll be really fun, you know, seeing all the folks that are big horror fans. But then also meeting WBSM listeners that are horror fans too because you're going to be my people coming up in next month when we're going to talk some horror movies here on the show. All right, I'm going to take my final break of the morning. We'll be back in a few moments. Um. Catherine sent in an app chat message just correcting. It's number 20 South 6th Street, not number 28 South 6th Street. So number 20 South 6th Street for that meeting at the YWCA uh, next Tuesday. Let's see here if we can get this call squeezed in. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Awesome. Great show as always. Thank you again for your public service. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. What's on your mind? Uh, what's on my mind, I'll make it really quick. Uh, any of these counselors that are talking about uh, rent stabilization or any other term that they'd like to use, especially during an election season, it's really sad, Tim, because basically the bottom line, as you know, Tim, if your personal apartment was listed at $3,000, nobody would go there to check it out. So there's already a system in place. Uh, these city councilors can't do anything to help this city out. And they're talking about rent stabilization. Well, I mean, to, to some degree that's true, but also you get people that come in with like the vouchers that will pay much higher than what those apartments might be worth. And then that therefore would drive up some prices of, of the surrounding apartments too. That does happen. Well, I, all I can say is this, Tim, especially the council president. Uh, she was given her house by her parents. Uh, this woman has no expertise in real estate. Uh, I'm disgusted at her actions at what she's done down at the city council chambers. Uh, my family has actually supported her uh, for probably about 50 years uh, going back to her parents. Uh, and I have now spoken with my parents. They're going to stop giving money to her because her behavior is just unacceptable. And in my house here, I can guarantee you that she has lost six registered votes from this house. So whatever the story is, you know, we don't hear nothing from Somerset and Swansea about what they're going to do for the police. They just put it on the table. We're losing police here by the week, 
and the politicians are telling us it's great, we're doing everything for the police, and they're leaving. Uh, the city is in rough shape, and it's because of the 11 councilors and the one mayor. And I say, anybody who wants change, we need to get all these people out. they got great conversation, but they're doing nothing for the city of New Bedford. Thank you again, Tim, and I really appreciate you. All right. Thank you. You have a great weekend. Thank and, you. And that's going to do it for me for today. Stay tuned for Marcus and Chris with South Coast Now. They have Councilor at Large Shane Burgo joining them. So I'm walking here into the building, and uh, you'll have some pretty interesting